Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And I'm Jennifer. That's right. <gasps> what is oh. she doing here? <gasps> I was trying to work out. It's been about a year since you've been. Yeah. Well, I've been busy. You know, lockdown. There's a lot to do. <laughs> I've, I've been staying in. I've been uh, staying in and uh, occasionally staying in. <laughs> she's so sick of the piss inside of me that as soon as I'm podcasting, she's like an hour and a half away from your face. It is true. I get a little bit of time to watch my own TV and uh, yeah. That's fair enough. Um, I should also like to point out for the uh, uh, for those listening, if there are possible sound quality issues, um, Chris uh, had forgotten we were podcasting this evening, despite with the fact we've done it for the last three years every night. Um, every week. Every week at the same night. And he's recording from his car in a, in Norfolk in a field. So I just, I just need, I just need to set the record straight. I forgot we were coming to Norfolk in a field, not that we were podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was assured, I was assured that Norfolk has the most amazing connections you could ever have. I thought that's fine. I can podcast in a field. Well, I mean, they've had electricity since 1993. I heard, I heard so. they did something like that. Yeah. Um. And uh, equally, it is uh, young Teddington's birthday as well. So Adam is utterly... Hey. Hey. Yes. So Who, who's going to sing for us? Hmm? Lee, Lee, you like singing. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't uh, yes, for the benefits of the tape, I don't do singing. Uh, I, even re- I, I used to mime when people used to all sing happy birthday. I now even refuse to do that because it feels... Uh. But we did make sure we didn't sing for you. I did make a point. Yeah, Jennifer's only made a point of not singing yeah. "Happy Birthday" to me, which I thought was mm. was was a real sign that right. people get me. Which is lovely. I, lo- uh, I love the way you've escalated that to the point where it's like, don't sing "Happy Birthday" round him, like in the care home yeah. when you're like eighty, and it's like, sort of, yeah. don't sing "Happy Birthday" around why he just wanks, yeah. he just drops his trousers and just fires one off just to just to try and defuse the situation. <laughs> <laughs> to clear the room. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we are here this evening for my birthday, Joyce, um, to cover The Wolf of Snow Hollow. But, in an abbreviated version of our normal lead-in to uh, the, the, the full movie, Chris, how are you getting on with your uh, MCU watching? Oh, well, remember, it's only the the, what, the fifth week that I've been doing this for. As everyone knows, in fact, it's probably like you know, it's probably more than that. But but you'll be pleased to know I've reached the end. Kind really? of, I've reached I've reached the end of the movies. So we've seen Endgame, and uh, similar to Harry Potter, it gets way better than I expected it to get. Yeah. It gets a lot darker, and mm. there was a lot more to Thanos and just everything sort of just it kept progressing i was thinking okay this is actually i should have watched this years ago it's, it's definitely it's, it's better than i'd you know i sort of think of superhero yeah they're fun but there was actually some depth sort of coming in yeah mm. it's yeah very good and then we saw the new spider-man after that which is far from home which mm. like, i loved uh because uh I, i'm trying to think what do i not give away um it it started to seem like the original Spider-Man cartoons yeah. because of what was going on in it, the characters. And um, 
Yeah, I have a sense that Spider-Man is aimed at a younger audience. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, Lee. You, you've seen it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's still got the, it still works for everybody. But yeah, I see what you mean. You could definitely show the Spider-Man movies to to a younger audience that you possibly couldn't show some of the others to. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the comedy lends itself a little more to to a younger audience. Yeah. And. Uh, so, so, but, but yeah, it had a nice twist in it. I won't say any more. The twist was fantastic, really good. And, and I love, I love the actor, uh, Donnie Darko, Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's fantastic. So yeah, I, that was. He's, I really he's enjoyed that. The, he's oh, what's his bloody name? Isn't he Fishbowl Ed? Yes. Yes. What's, so that's what I was trying not to from? say. I was thinking, do we want to give that away? But he, he is well, the classic well, Spider-Man. I've not, I've not seen nemesis. it and I know he's in it, so. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, yeah, so Mysterio. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I loved seeing him because I didn't realise he was going to be in it at all. And I remember him a lot from the comics as being mm. Spider-Man's main nemesis, certainly for a while. Obviously, there's Green Goblin at points as well. But yeah, Mysterio was always fascinating to me because of the way he could uh, adjust reality and I kind of like the way they've explained that in this. I thought it was brilliantly done. Really, yeah. really clever. Sort of technology use. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I'd really like to see them bring Craven into it. Craven the Hunter. Oh, so I don't know him. He's basically, he's a big game hunter. and mm. But he's killed everything else. So it's like. Yeah, Spider-Man no, is like going after he's it. an unusual specimen. So yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> It'd look good though. The head on the wall, wouldn't it? Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's your poster. That is the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. That'd work, and I, I would definitely go and see that. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. Congratulations on making it up to date, then, Chris. Yeah. So, so we are watching the Wonder Vision now, which yep. is not a movie, but it's 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 good. It's changes. We're not at the end, but yeah. Excellent. I've not given it a go yet, but uh, I will do it at some point. Adam, looking exhausted over there. Sorry. Oh, so, oh, sorry. Just very quickly before we move on, Jennifer, you were drawing letters in the air with your finger. Were you trying to work out what the MCU stood for? Yes. It, it's the Marvel, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, okay. I was trying to think of the name of the films, and I couldn't remember what they were anyway. But I just thought I'd better yeah, uh, clear. You. I'm sure the listeners know, but well, just... I might not. I thought if it's confused mm-hmm. you. I'm listening, might. and I don't know. That's fair enough. Yeah. Adam, sorry. What have you seen? I have seen nothing. Ooh. But I have heard many things. <laughs> um, basically, I'm going to recommend because, yeah, with it's been obviously been a fairly odd week. So there's plenty that I'm I've got piles of stuff to go through as yet and just haven't got around to any of it. But I have completed uh, listening to all literally every episode of a podcast called The Monster Hunters. Okay. And mm-hmm. This is of particular recommendation um, to our listeners because I think I think it's one of those ones a bit that they would get it. It very much harks back to our horror comedy episodes uh, because it's it's a full it's a, a, a full cast um, like story 
you know, it's, it's not a podcast where it's just talking heads like us or mm. it's an actual, you know, it's basically a radio play that oh. they've released as a podcast rather than on the radio. Um, but yeah, it's called The Monster Hunters um, and it's written and directed by two guys, Peter Davis and Matthew Woodcock. Um, and the reason I found it is Peter Davis does a really good, he does a podcast called The Hellraiser Podcast, which is literally, as you would imagine, a podcast all about Hellraiser. And um, I really enjoy, I really enjoy those. He also, he, they, the two guys, him and another guy who do that, they also do a podcast called Horror Movie Maniacs, which is kind of their, um, similar to us, where it's just they go through classic horror films and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so The Monster Hunters is, uh, the best way I can describe it is it's the best thing that Matt Berry's not in. <laughs> because it's, it has that total feeling. Apparently, apparently uh, they met whilst acting at the London Dungeon, which obviously is where Matt Berry sort of started started acting as well. Um, but basically, yeah, it's um, it's set in the early seventies, and they said that their touchstone for it is kind of um, Dracula AD nineteen seventy two. Nice, uh, and it's that where it's like that sort of groovy seventies versus monsters thing, um, and they play uh, they play uh Lorimer Chesterfield and Roy Steele and Lorimer Chesterfield is the the brains of the outfit he's like the sort of Giles from Buffy um the doctor professor Quatermass type like the and then Roy Steele is a two-fisted man of action <laughs> and um and uh, yeah it's it's genuinely really good and they as they go on there's in the first series, there's like little sort of horror, there's references that you'll pick up anyway. Mm. Like there's, but it's all, it's all quite subtle things. Like at one point, one of them saying, uh, someone says, uh, what's going on down there? I want you to know that I don't find this in the slightest bit amusing, which is uh, from American Werewolf and things like that. And, um, but yeah, they, they, it's genuinely, really really funny really well produced and they also um as as it goes on they sort of build up their repertoire repertory company almost where it's like so you have villains come back and um team up with new villains or you get sort of characters there like there's there's a love there's a lovely um there's a thing in it where because Roy Steele is basically meant to be a very sort of like a, a 70s sort of bondy sort of like ladies man mm -hmm. uh, type guy. Uh, but they have a, a scientist who he hooks up with at one point and her name is Dr. Ladyface, <laughs> which is just fantastic. Um, but the, also the main, the, the real main thing for me is their boss is a guy called Sir Maxwell House who is fucking mental. <laughs> he, it's one of those ones where it sort of, it starts off and he's a funny character. And then by the time you get to like sort of series three, you're like, how would, how do you actually operate on a day-to-day -day level? Because he is just like balmy, genuinely, you know, I, th I think he gets, he gets a lot of the best lines. He's just brilliant. Um, but yeah, so I, absolutely 
recommend everyone go and listen to that. You guys listen to it because it is just genuinely, yeah. yeah, it's just um, it's just so good, so good. Um, listen to them in order as well because, like I say, they do actually they have like a throughput of uh, they do have an overall story arc, yeah, as well as just being really good little comedy horror plays and stuff like that. Um, and then. Uh, my other recommendation is, of course, uh, as yet unexplained. Yes, from mm. our from our uh, uh, Moss Eisley uh, co-conspirator, Mr. Wesley Smith. Um, again, I I mean I trust Wes. You know, it's <laughs> I've known him for long enough. I, I trust. Uh, well, no, I don't trust him in that way. No, not not with, <laughs> not, not with money or you know dirty pictures or anything like that but no um i i trust that he would come out with something good but it's really fucking good yeah. and the production is out of this fucking world he's really he's really crafted that hasn't he he's really gone yeah. <laughs> wonderful so, fantastic yeah again, get out and check that out mm. splendid um I, I we have caught up on your recommendation adam Let's say recommendation. We would have caught up on it, but we'd forgot that it existed until you recommended it. So, so we've caught up with the first two episodes of Inside Number Nine. Ah, yes. Um, yes, again, the uh, Inside Number Nine is one of those shows that I thought they'd run out of things to do after season two, and somehow they still mm. seem to be getting better each episode. I don't know how they manage it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just absolutely brilliant. I don't want to give anything away because... As always with Inside Number Nine, everything hinges on the twist. Yeah, and it isn't always one. Um, mm. But yeah, no, they've, they've, I think that's what they've innovated with now is that they, because it's like we're the twist show, mm. so it's all right. So we'll well we'll turn it we'll turn the screw about ten minutes, then change it again about twenty, and yeah. then just before mm. the end we'll rip the carpet out from under you. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, just incredible! It's fantastic. It's I, I know what you mean though, because it is it is a weird thing where you just assume at some point this must get you know you you've got to run out of ideas or whatever like that. And it's yeah. actually I think this is so far this has been pro probably one of the strongest series. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a real, um, a really really cracking um, stuff. But they. Um, uh, on another podcast tip, there is on BBC Sounds. There's Inside Inside Number Nine. Yeah. And after each episode, Reese and Steve just go through what the episode's about and interview people and sort of talk about um, bits and pieces with regards to the production and stuff like that and where the idea came from. Um, and they had, um, and also at the end of it, they will tell you where the hair was in the previous episode. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> I've been looking Which out is... for it since, for the last two seasons and I still haven't seen the damn thing. <laughs> I think I've only spotted it a couple of times. Interestingly enough, in the in the one with the um, the scriptwriter and the fan yeah. uh, episode, um, they said apparently it's, they said where it was, but they also said, oh, um, it's wearing a little COVID mask. Um, and But they said, we kind of thought, oh, that'll be a nice thing because we'll be able to look back on that and go, oh, yeah, do you remember when we... And it's like, no, we're still here. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a, 
that's, that's steaming ahead nicely. Um, we also, as we mentioned on the last one, following the Jason Buck reading that we had mm. uh, of The Shadow over Innsmouth, I showed Jennifer Dagon for the first time. Yes. Ooh. What did you make of Dagon, Jennifer? Well, I think it helped that I was in the mood for that, having, yeah, just say, listened to The Shadow over Innsmouth. But if I hadn't have just listened to that story and known what the film was kind of getting at, yeah. it was just a bit of a silly film. Like, you know, it was, mm, I think that was the only thing that held it together for me was that I, could, I knew backstory. the backstory, so I added something to it. I think if I just watched it cold, I would have been like, this is stupid, what's going on? <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Well, is that let, fair? Did, did I see Lee's eyes start glowing then? <laughs> Glowing red. <laughs> I mean, it was sort of cheesy, well, cheesy 90s, really, wasn't it? Or it is it's one of those even. films where I know it's rubbish. Yes. But because, as Jennifer said, I think that's the thing. I think because I love the HP Lovecraft story on which it's mm. very loosely based. Um, I think that's why I, and again, so many people have tried to do HP Lovecraft stuff. Um, it's one of the better adaptions, definitely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I didn't that know isn't... how they were going to do it, to be fair, because when you listen to the story, it's very first person and you yeah. don't think that wouldn't work for a film. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's clever what they've done. Yeah. But I probably won't ever watch it again. That's <laughs> fair. I've only seen it a few times. So, yes. Uh... Yeah, I wouldn't rush out. You know, people out there, listeners, don't rush out and buy it. But, you know, if someone's got it for free that you can borrow, that's fine. <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I'd, st I'd still like to cover it on the show one day. Oh, yeah, I'd mm. be happy to, to you know, cover it. Yeah. Like you inside number about. nine, if we do start running out of things, then... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah eventually. Season 20. <laughs> it doesn't look like we're, we're running out of much so far. No. Is that, well, Adam and I were having a discussion during the week about what we're going to cover after this episode, and even that was born out of which of these three would we do next if we were going to do one of them? Yeah. Not necessarily, because there's hundreds, but we are going to stick to it. We've decided. Yeah. And we've got mm. something a bit special planned. Ooh. Little Ooh. Yeah. Exciting. Ooh. It's Adam has very helpfully been back through the back catalogue and looking at things that are a larger influence that we should have covered more. And he basically mm. came back and said, we're doing him a disservice because we haven't introduced him to, mm. to this genre as much as we should considering how important it is so we're gonna don't don't do me a disservice i don't like that <laughs> um, i'll tell you what what we might run out of is halloween or christmas themed i imagine that might well, start to get a little harder could have been a christmas film i'd forgotten that it all happened at christmas and that's very true mm. yeah um yeah so without further ado Yes. The, the Christmas film that we're covering on the 29th <laughs> of May. Um, we have just watched, as promised, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um, I've, I've heard of this a couple of times. Yes, I got a little bit excited and wouldn't stop talking about this film. Uh, and I don't know what it's taken us until now to cover it. Because we've got such a ma massive back catalogue, I think. Um, but yes, so Adam, I'm going to go to you first. Again, mm -hmm. this was your first time of seeing it also. Oh. What did you make of The Wolf of Snow Hollow? Well, I mean, I thought that, um, I thought Leonardo DiCaprio was excellent. Um, <laughs> Margot Robbie's great. It was great seeing Henry Zabrowski from Last 
podcasts, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I, I could not fucking resist. No, um, what what I, I think the weird thing is, is watching this is I sort of, I finished it and I just turned to Claire and I said, I can't, not because it's not a good film, but I was like, I'm just shocked that Lee's like, this is a, you know, this is Lee's top film last year. Because I was like, you know, it's kind of, it's funny, but it's also quite sort of moving yeah. in its own sort of way. Um, uh, I am going, uh, at this point, we're going to put out, right, there's going to be spoilers. So for Christ's sake, go and see this because it is worth watching this film. It is not, don't be sort of, oh, well, I'll listen to that, see if it will, you know, I mean, we've done a hundred odd episodes. See where our tastes lie. I think all three, all four of us, seem to be on pretty much the same page with this. So, definitely stop the podcast now. Go and watch it, and then return. Yes, mm. you've done that. Good. Now, because there's spoilers coming up. So, um, yeah, and but also it was, as it turns out, a non-supernatural film. Is much more. Is much more of a thriller than probably mm. anything else. Although not to say that you, you know, these are not things that you don't, you wouldn't particularly like, but it was all like sort of like in a combo. I'm like, you know, it's it's unusual that it's sort of, it's a set of elements. So, that, so this is our mystery then. How, what, how can we work out what it is that really appeals to Lee? You're right. It's like one of my most, one of my top turnoffs on a film is when it's supernatural until the end. Yeah, and then then but for some reason, this film, it just made me piss myself laughing. In no one took anything away from the story. It, and I tell you what, more than anything, it just felt very Coen Brothers. Yeah, mm. it's mm. not. It's same? not. Yeah, it, it's yeah. I mean, it's basically it's Fargo. It's Fargo with a wolf. Um, yeah. But it's not. It's not wisecracks. No. It's not necessarily. Funny dialogue is the wrong term, but it's you know the dialogue is funny because of the context it's in. Is it? I thought, I thought it was it. the style, the style that mm. of how the comedy is done. Because also, what I sort of wondered about was um, why Lee would necessarily like it is because it is a bit awkward in its comedy because it's yes, a bit yeah. of a it's a bit of a comedy tragedy, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think the thing really. I, really. I think the thing I got from it, having watched it last night for the fourth time now, um, <laughs> this year, um, it is just how, uh, you're absolutely right, because you go into, uh, some of it's very serious, some mm. of it's hilarious, and you go into every scene not knowing where it's going. And normally for me, that's mm. terrible, because I'd be like, this is so mm. up and down, I don't know if I'm supposed to be laughing, or am I going to laugh at something? And <laughs> or or crying, yeah. It suddenly becomes mm. inappropriate, which happens quite a lot. But for some reason, the way that it's all just smashed together, mm. it just works for me. And it absolutely drew me. And it kept me on the edge of my seat because I never knew how I was supposed... Like every scene, mm. scene where they they go in to see the boyfriend of the first mm. victim. Um, yeah. And he's in his mum's kitchen and they're packing the stuff up. And I thought mm. it was going to turn jokey. And then he got aggressive. And then he burst into tears. And I was just yeah. on this like roller coaster of emotion 
Yeah. And I didn't know what was going to happen. Literally from sentence to sentence, this film just turned on a dime every time. Mm. I loved mm. it for that. Mm. Yeah, do, do you know what? It reminded me a bit of the, uh, the lead character, Jim Cunningham, I think is the actor. Um, he almost made me think he could be in like Letterkenny, something like that, where yeah, it's just, it was funny, but with, yeah, dramatic elements and just the way he's responding to the situations is just, he could flip or he could be, you know, understanding or it's just like, yeah. And it, it was that it, moment as well. That was the bit I loved was the fact that every time somebody spoke to him, he kind of stopped for a moment and everything went into a, a pause while he processed what he was going to do next. And then either shout, slap somebody in the face, or go and secretly drink. And you didn't know which <laughs> reaction was going to have to anything that happened throughout the film. I'll I tell you what, as a, a, also, just as a... It's... what One thing I, I really enjoyed about it was the fact that he spends most of the film having to argue with people, no... Actually, this is your fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> because of the but, amount but of was, passing and sort of Yeah, but he was he was being a bit defensive as well though, oh, because yeah. ultimately everyone was saying, What's well, your job to, to catch mm -hmm. them? And obviously but it made me think that that was a serious element to it. Imagine something like that happening in a, a relatively small, remote town and how it would start to affect you. Because you're like, well, we sort of know a lot of the people here what's going on like who could it be mm. especially when, like when they started doing those interviews with people that's when it sort of stepped up in in intensity for me because I, I don't know if, you know it went with the music but it was just like yeah we're all sort of a bit wary of each other like we're, we're pointing at it's definitely him it was definitely him he's a weirdo you know and it's like you would all start to be a bit what's going on like yeah. how could this possibly mm. be happening it's like cabin fever but on a slightly bigger scale yeah it, yeah you know if there's a murder in London, it could be one of, you know, Any, yeah. people. But if there's only 300 people in the village, yeah. you, somebody knows the person who's done it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, yes, it's, it's one guy, of you. It's all hairy guy. Sure, But you've got some people obviously trying to really say it is a werewolf. So, yeah. like, just as, as the, you know, the chief of police, like, trying to make the decision about, well, we, obviously... It, we obviously know it isn't a werewolf because they don't exist. Mm. But, you know, it's like, whoa, what's going still on? There's something weird going on yeah. here. And at that point, of course, you don't know because you're watching a horror film. So as the audience, yeah. Yeah. you know, you are like, well, yeah. yeah who do you oh, trust? He, who is he, right? He, yeah, he's wrong. He's just right. yeah. I think it's a normal person. And now it's obviously going to be a werewolf. And mm. yeah, it's quite clever. Well, but, but also you see the werewolf. Mm, yeah. 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 And okay, as it turns out, it's Scooby Doo. Yeah. Um, but it, but there is a werewolf suit, so you yeah. are kind of you're lulled into that camp as well. Where it's like, well, yeah. it must it is a werewolf because we've seen the werewolf. Mm. And actually, and, you, and, you, and I'm I'm double taking at Jennifer now that you know. What what suits is she making behind the scenes? Well, I, know. I mean, isn't it always blame the taxidermist? Yeah. I mean, oh, oh, taxidermist, they're going to be the killer. Oh, ridiculous. Then we blame well, the next. As, Vic, as Victor Lewis Smith said, there is only one thing stranger than people who stuff dead animals, and that's people who stuff live animals. Uh, <laughs> and, and very tall people. Yes. <laughs> I, I, one thing I thought that I really 
I really liked. And especially because right at the start, I because I, I knew basically I I got I got the disc and I sort of avoided getting involved with um uh like getting involved with trailers or spoilers or anything like that. You know, I didn't want to know anything going into it. Um mm. but sort of like you know just and people are saying also um it's i think it's is it jim cummings yes mm -hmm. yeah um and obviously he wrote directed and starred in it yeah um and which you know not only that but also when you see something like that the pairs on the back of your neck stand up because you just cannot but help but think garth Marenghi. <laughs> and it, no it, it, it does make you worry because there is a grand tradition in low budget films of writer director stars mm. and most of the time it's not a good combo yeah no i have, they're, they're, they're either good we... at one and bad at the others or just shit at all of them yeah. are there um, any films that we've seen where that is the case any others i don't think so so not like i can think of because we generally only show you good films <laughs> well yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, if we were to show you, like, say, for example, I mean, like, the obvious one, The Room. The no, Tommy that's, that's an unfair example of a really, <laughs> really bad film. But, but you, you know, you're sort of coming from that, um, you sort of come to it with that sort of thing where it's like, yeah. oh, and, but I didn't know who Jim Cummings was. Mm. And at the start of it, you're kind of they give you the first like the 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 first like at the start of it you've got the couple where obviously the girlfriend is murdered mm. but i wasn't sure oh are we following this guy around for this yeah. film mm -hmm. because this guy seems a bit of a prick yeah mm. um and but i mean and but fortunately but and that's something that i really appreciate with this film is he does do a really good sleight of hand of every so often they introduce you to a character and you you go with it where it's like right you've given uh, given us a lot of backstory you've shown us a thing mm. and it's like there's the the woman who gets murdered who's like the coach mm. and they actually do the scene yeah. of her sitting at the table looking suspicious yeah so you're already on the thing of oh is she the killer mm, or is yeah. this the and then she gets killed but you've been totally wrong-footed to sort of buy into this character who then dies within like five minutes of appearing on screen and every time i forget how gory her death is like when it literally ripped mm -hmm. her arm off and she's just flailing around with it it's really and i kept waiting for her to get away because as you say adam like it you don't obviously when you look back at it now you realize her strange reaction is because she's seeing the killer because he does turn up and groom yeah. these people as it were so that's her reaction to him. But as you say, at first, when you see it, you think, is that her looking at the cat? Is that her being uncomfortable and wondering? Mm. Yeah, so you do kind of. So I kept waiting for her to get away. Mm. And it, it'd be, a, as you say, a sleight of hand where she's going to turn out to actually be the. Somebody's going to try and surprise yeah, her. And I then thought she's she gonna... did get away. Bearing in mind, this is the second time we've watched it. There were so many things that I was convinced were going to happen, which I think does show you. How clever the sleight of hand is, yeah, or that my memory mm. is terrible. But you know what I mean? Because, <laughs> yeah, your brain's going, Oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're meeting this person. Oh, yeah, she definitely lives. 
and you just think you've remembered that. Yeah, and then, then she doesn't. And I'm later, like, yeah. oh, I totally <laughs> misremembered that. So that is and interesting. Hmm. And it's like with the with the couple in the opening sequence where they're uh, they they sort of come in, and it's like that just feels like the opening of a hundred and one horror films. Yeah, yeah. You mm. know, it's it could be sinister, or mm. you know, because it starts off with someone moving into a new house. It could be um, Amityville or something like this. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, so yeah, I assumed that we were with the couple for the duration then at least with the boyfriend for the duration yeah because of the way that they they sort of do it and but no and it's i really in, in a weird way it follows a lot more p- police procedural than horror movie yeah and actually I, and i do like i do like all the stuff where it's like him sitting there going no it's a serial killer because they do this this and this yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's all stuff that is entirely accurate. And afterwards, I've sort of, I've seen, uh, I've seen an interview, uh, someone conducted it, like it's on YouTube, like an interview with Jim Cummings. And he, what was it he said? Um, Someone said, oh, you know, where do you stand on the thing of the, you know, people have said, oh, in terms of your film, the, you know, it's only women that get brutally murdered. And he went, yeah, but that's a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's not something. It's not something you question in Silence of the Lambs. Mm. No. Well, he, he did. He did sort of point it out in the film, mm. didn't he? Because they talk about the background of werewolves and and then and women getting attacked and and he's like, have women had to put up with this sort of thing for <laughs> for a long yeah, time? The, the way she looks at him. <laughs> Yeah. Fucking yeah, she, I really liked her character. She was great because she's mm. she was she like, because obviously throughout you're thinking he's losing it. He's just you know he's gonna go wrong completely wrong at some point probably because mm. um, he basically his entire life is ruined from his anger issues, mm. um, which he obviously dealt with with drink and so that was a problem. But actually, he's still doing police work pretty well you know, as well as anybody yeah. else there is managing it. And, it's, and especially with his, his relationship with his dad, obviously that's um, pretty complex because he's meant to be taking over, but, you know, he doesn't want that to be happening. And so that's quite a difficult situation to be in. But yeah, just um, the way she is sort of supporting him throughout, I thought it, it was great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really liked her character as well. It's, it's also one of those ones where all the way through it, I was thinking... Because you kind of expect there is an element, you know, obviously he, well, in the end, they both take down the killer. And they both come to the conclusion at roughly the same point. Yeah. Which Mm. I loved. Mm. Where it's like, so she's twigged it because of the the, uh, bodkin, like the weird, uh, the seam ripper, that's it. Yeah. That, That has been left behind. But then he twigs it just because he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not married. And it's like, yeah, and every other moment you've said, well, my wife's going to kill me when this yeah. goes down. Oh, my wife. And it's so they both they both solve it. But all the way through, you're like, she is so much more capable because he, mm. you know, he's he's morally right. But equally, there are enough people there where you think, they probably do have a point when they're saying, well, you didn't fucking solve this. Yeah. Or you haven't sorted this out properly. 
And it's like, I'm just so glad that at the end, she is the sheriff. Yeah. Because it's like, mm. yeah, no, the right person here yeah. has got the job. You know, I think that that's, that was something that I really, um, really appreciated with it. And and actually, Robert Forster as the dad, mm. like the, the old sheriff. I mean, obviously, I think this, this is actually his last film role because yeah. he was really, he was really quite ill. Um, mm. But for me, that, that was, again, another evocation of something where it's quirky small town stuff is he was the sheriff in the third series of Twin Peaks, like the recent mm. uh, one, um, because the original Sheriff Truman um, has retired from acting. I think he's an agent now. And he didn't want to come back and do it. So they brought him in as his brother. Ah. And and apparently he'd actually been offered the role originally way back whenever. <laughs> and he couldn't do it. So it went to Harry Goaz and it's like, yeah. Um, but again, it's that thing, that thing that you can sort of, you kind of appreciate where it's like, for fuck's sake, dad, leave it. Yeah. <laughs> when when a, a parent gets to that point where it's like, look, you may not be able to hack this anymore. Can you please be fucking sensible about this? Yeah. Which is, which is that horrible sort of, there's that horrible moment, no doubt Ted will, I mean, Ted probably have it in about four weeks time, <laughs> but you know, it's that horrible moment that you do have at one point where it's like, why am I the fucking parent now? Yeah. Because you're having to tell them to fucking behave themselves, yeah, or you know, do something properly, and yeah, I think that they, I think that that plays out beautifully, and I, I love, mm. I also love the economy of this film, because at one point I was like, is this jumping around in time, mm. which it kind of does, yeah. but not, it's not sort of, it's not sort of, over like overly. You know, you're not sort of like picking up on shit from, oh, right, this is meant to be three weeks later or something like that. Yeah. But there is just sort of like, there's certain bits like the the second attack is played out with him being told that they've found the body, which is obviously the next day. Mm. And so you get a bit of sort of odd transitions of time. But also there's a lot of, you like you said, Lee, it's sort of because it's it, where it slams you into every scene. There's very little sort of walking, if you see what I mean. Yeah. No, There's not much sort of, you just go into them. Yeah. And again, as you say, with the murders as well, it, obviously the passage of time, there's the first two killings on the full moon, then there isn't anything for a month. But it doesn't, mm. it doesn't have to tell you that. You just kind of get it. Yeah. It's a werewolf. So you just kind of work that out in your head. But yeah, so, you have, so the, there's anything that happens between finding the body... And the next killing could happen any time in that 30 day window. And you mm. don't know how much they've jumped from one week to the next. Is that apart from, you know, like you see the funeral. So you see him at the, mm. him at the, crime at the crime yes. scene. Then it's the funeral. And then it's, well, we know this is going to happen again tonight. So it, it's mm. all smashed together. But mm. yeah, it, ju it just does it in such a nice, not a nice way, like I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it, I mean it's jerky, but it's supposed to be. Mm, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, I don't. And, and you're absolutely right, Adam. This is a film that, on paper, 
you should hate. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I just, it, as a, it is, mm. it's in my top 10 films of the last decade. It absolutely nailed it. And it's the comedy that just, mm. that was what I picked up on to begin with. Like the laughs in this have made me laugh out loud like nothing else in so long. Like him do, slapping everybody. Do you think it is him? Like a lot to do with him as as the actor or the character? Because yeah, I, I think because he wrote it and he acted, I think he obviously mm. had he's written it for his own comic timing. So that character just works so perfectly mm. for him. But it's the same and with I, the the father, you know, like the. When they're all about to go out and he says, uh, I won't ask you to join me in prayer because of the goddamn lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it, yeah, there's a lot of down-to-earth elements mm. in yeah. it, I think. it's, And I, I completely related to the, you know, uh, to Jim Cummings. Mm. He just, yeah, uh, he got it across so well, somebody going through what he was going through. Mm. Yeah. The interesting thing was is that in the in the interview that I watched is he said um, uh, they said oh you know is it you, obviously you have starred in this because he's he's done a film before this called Thunder Road yes yeah uh, have you seen it Lee I, I haven't might, but I've uh, ordered it because I'm going to watch uh, it definitely mm. yeah because because that was based that's based on like a short film he did and again he is playing the the main character. Um, and they were sort of in the interview. They were like, "So is this like a is this a budgetary choice, or is it?" He's like, "This is absolutely budgetary. If I could get actually, he was it. He said, he said, if I could get Jake Gyllenhaal or Ryan Reynolds to play these characters, <laughs> you know, why would I have me doing it? Aww. You know, he. But I think you know, I think uh, which I think he's a got a lot of modesty, if nothing else. I think yeah. you know." But I think, yeah, I think if he carries on the way he's done this, mm. yeah, you know, I'd I have could, to anything he's in. A lot of a, a lot of the a lot of the reviews I saw for this were a lot of people were like, "Oh, it wasn't wasn't as good as Thunder Road," but I think also there's it's the usual story where it's like, right, so we've gone genre now, mm. so immediate immediately that's not as good. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was not as good as it really. No, because it's got it's actually got an interesting plot. <laughs> what we actually want to see is a couple walk around Paris, say <laughs> about how much they ignore each other, <laughs> uh, uh, but you know they're going to do it. And and th and then the credits roll with flaming lips playing. And you're like, oh, <laughs> fuck off! I think it's so people can say, oh, oh no, I liked his earlier stuff, but you know, <laughs> everyone's into I think, him. I think we're already at that stage where it's like, well, you know, it's not as good as his early work. What the film he did a year before? That's yeah. not that's not his fucking early work. <laughs> and the the thing is, so I watched the trailer for Thunder Road, and I have ordered it, and I'm definitely going to watch it. But basically, it looks like this film without a werewolf. It's, yes, that's what um, I gather. Yeah, it's a man who's a cop and his wife is divorcing him and then his mother dies and he basically just has a massive mental breakdown. But yeah. it's still a comedy drama. So it feels, I, I think it's going to feel like if this happened to exactly the same thing happened to a different person in a different town, <laughs> but it's ultimately going to be his reaction to everything. Because um, it's, it's, it's a curious thing as well, because I think that, it's it's refreshing in a way where you've got something where it's like, yeah, this is a guy having a breakdown and it's horrible. But 
whatever happens, there is funny shit. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's like when you, when you hear stories of people's, you know, people's struggles with like mental illness, with, with addiction and things like that, there is still levity. There is still humour because that's how life works. Yeah. So you still do have things where it's like, well, looking back on that, that was a fucked up situation. But it's a funny fucked up situation rather than, you know, it doesn't have to be abject misery mm. wall to wall sort of thing. Yeah. And, but I mean, actually, the, the bit that got me more than anything is just because, well, I mean, as you can see, the state of me um, in terms of uh, tiredness, um, but just the bit where it was like they, they do what turns out to be a dream sequence. But they do that like really good thing where he goes and researches about werewolves, and then there's the sort of as it turns out a dream mm. series where like everything's coming together and there's people mm. shouting and it's like you should have solved this blah, 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 blah. and then the bloke just wakes him up. Yeah. He's like, Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, and it was like uh, just like yeah you, you you look you want to be thankful it's me. Yeah. <laughs> any any of any of the other boys down the precinct, you could have had a hole in your head. So, so. just his justification of it. Just next time, ask yourself: as a policeman come in and taken all your books out on scary shit and then falling asleep, maybe yeah. don't surprise him. How's that for an idea? <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, and it's it's also one of those ones where you sort of think again, he manages to make it because uh, he's. It's it's not a nice character. It's a funny character, but he's yeah. not. You know, there is no way you wouldn't want to go for a fuck. You wouldn't want to live with him or go for a oh, drink no, with him. You, or no, you else want like someone that. who work like that work work with you. He's just so yeah, because they're so fucking intense. But actually, in terms of you know, he he just manages to make that. Um, he really makes that workable, mm. so that you are on the guy's side, even though. He is essentially a bell end to everyone and everything. <laughs> it, it, it's um, just, it, it, to me, the thing is, there is nothing like if you get upset with someone at work and punch them, like that can be pretty. But an open handed slap is like, I'm not even trying to hurt you. This is just telling you what a bitch you are being. And it's just his answer to everything. It's just a slap around you, the face. You just want to be him, really, don't you? I do just, just want to be him. Yeah. Well, I don't like him much, but I really want to be him. When he slaps that coroner who's clapping his yeah. face, yes. I yes. just screamed. It's so funny. Yeah. That, that, that totally fucking surprised me, that thing. Because <laughs> uh -huh. like, like you say, you're used to watching things where it's like, Oh yeah, he decked him or whatever like that. But just a slap. Yeah. It's like it's, it is. It is just like it's a very sort of. It's just disciplinary. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not like full blown aggression or anything else like that. It's almost like behave your fucking self. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just hilarious. But and that's the thing. Like, there's bits of it as well where, as you say, even like the the quite dark scenes like the, the scenes where you can see him drinking and stuff again um and you see him he takes those two cans out and drinks them and then immediately goes and drinks a whole bottle of mouthwash and, stuff. and like it's it's, mm. it's getting quite dark and then for him to just smash through the oven door like like 
yes yeah because you kind of laugh and then you go oh, i shouldn't have laughed at that and then you're like well i've done it now and it's over and we've moved mm. into the next scene and suddenly it's a completely different atmosphere like mm. and it just everything just caught me off guard like it's like and it was the same with the humor you'd get into um like the other way you'd have a really funny scene and all of a sudden something really dark had happened unexpectedly mm. and mid laugh and sort of take you off of it and i really liked that I, I, it shouldn't work this film should have been an absolute mess and i should have hated everything about it but i could not have loved it more mm. it's yeah i just don't know how he managed it it's genius and the i mean the and obviously like the relationship with his daughter Mm. but it's an interesting thing where it's because obviously both parents are fucking it up. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, the mum's just absent, mm. and obviously he is a fucking wreck. Mm. But and um, but again, that, that even, even that comes down to it, where it's like it ends up with bits where the daughter's having to say to him, right, like that, that is gruelling. Mm. Yeah. where she's just pleading with him to go to bed. Yeah, yeah that was really hard. That is, that is really, really harsh. But, but again, he's only do it's exactly what he's doing with his father. Mm. Yeah. Where mm. it's like, again, she's, or she's already having to step up and parent him because it's like, Dad, you're a fucking mess. Mm. You know, please, can we not do this now? Can we just, yeah. And it's, you know, they do have some, yeah, that's, again, I, I like that it doesn't pull a punch to try and make, they don't at any point try and make him a likeable character, but it just works and you are still on his side. Because you can, it's that thing of, you can see that essentially at heart, there's a decent it, person. Yeah, his intentions are, are mm. good. Yeah. He just does everything the wrong way. Yeah. And it's, but also it's that same thing. And I, being a regular, like, well, being a, a true crime, um, you know, I have, I, I love true crime and things like that. And the amount of stuff where it's small town sheriff's departments in America where they just fuck shit up yeah. through <laughs> laziness mm. and through incompetence. And I'm glad that that's in there as well, where it's like they do say a lot of the time, look, people, this is why people hate the police. This is why people say mm. what they do about the police. This is what you guys are doing here is because none of you can be fucked to actually step up and do the thing properly or whatever. And it's like when he's arguing with the guy about, because again, it is over the fucking top, but where he's saying, right, take that fence, like the mailbox out of the, ground or the telephone isn't yeah. it yeah the telephone that's yeah. it sorry yeah just bring it to the station <laughs> yeah just bring that take it and it's like really yes really because yeah. this is a fucking murder investigation you've <laughs> yeah. got to do your job which again i think this is uh, another part of that thing like you were saying about where like like you like you were saying chris where it's like there's a, the small town thing of well we probably know this person mm. who's doing this but equally, it's the small town thing of we're not fucking prepared for this. Yeah, yeah. We, we're here to stop drunk drivers mm. and you know teenage drinking or whatever like that. Whereas actually, this is something where yeah, none of us are on the 
none of us are on this level to be dealing with this. And it's like when they have to say, well, the FBI won't come in because there's only two. It's not, yeah. And mm. it's not, it's not been committed on a federal highway and that sort mm. of thing. And it's lovely to see those little reality. bits and pieces yeah. where it's like, oh no, this yeah. is, this is the reality of it, mm. you know. And I loved, I loved the fact that they did have that conversation at the beginning where, yeah, they are just sitting in that diner and they're like, oh, we're just small town cops, you know, the feds will come in and wipe this up. And he's like, no, yeah. we're the cops. <laughs> Stop re- relying yeah. on somebody else because we've got to do this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I just that sort of thing of stepping up, even though he can't do that mm. because of his own problems. But he still tries, and I guess that's what but he's he's still, done, yeah. Mm. And you do, I mean, that's the thing is you do, um, well, they solve it in the end because of essentially because of the doggedness of the two cops who actually care. Yeah. And mm. admittedly, one of them is incapable. <laughs> and it's and it's an interesting thing because um I was again like reading up on it and stuff like that. And they said, obviously, there's the bit at the end where he says to his daughter, Oh, there's something for your protection in the uh, drawer. Mm. And she gets out the condoms and she's like, Oh, you know, and it's like, Oh, well done, Dad. You know, you sort of, you're being mature about this. And then she looks in the drawer and they don't show you what's in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but most people have said it's his gun. Mm. Because obviously he's no longer a police officer. Yeah. Mm. So he's obviously right had to just address the fact that, yeah, no matter how much I want to do this, I'm clearly not the right person to be doing this. Mm. And yeah, so a lot of people have said, is it, <clears throat> is it that he's left her his gun? Mm, because it's yeah, he's like. But does he? He sort of goes to come back, doesn't he? He looks like he's thinking about. Going yeah, it's back when in. the two boys go past and they're like going on about. You assume he's going to turn around and punch the boys, mm. and then he doesn't. So you're sort of like, oh no, he's learning mm. to control his anger. So you sort of feel mm. like, yeah, he's well, moving forward. Perhaps that's it. I mean, he's got a lot less pressure if he's no longer having to step up. And I guess in that situation, like it made sense for him to become the chief of police. Mm. I'm assuming he's worked in there for many years, and obviously his daddy's. Um, so yeah, think, he just couldn't handle I, that pressure. I think a lot of, from what I gather, again, like on true crime stuff and the cases and stuff like that, from what I gather, there is an element of, like, it's almost like a royal succession, mm, like yeah. a, a, a line where it's like, oh yeah, my dad was the sheriff, so now I'm the sheriff, and yeah. then my son will be it's the like sheriff. Yeah, I'm getting my, you know, my kids to come. Yeah. <laughs> And it and it is regardless of merit. Yeah, yeah, and they so, can't. Be, you know, I mean, some some might get through that okay, and mm. you know whether they do a good job or not, it might not affect them too much. But you can imagine if you've already got quite a lot of other stresses that you're not handling, you probably don't need that. Mm. No, and I think you know it's yeah. I mean, the fact that this is essentially a wacky episode of Scooby Doo. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's quite interesting that we've drawn all of this out of it, but it doesn't take away the um, doesn't take away the um, any of the sort of drop the the actual dramatic yeah meat of it is still yeah. there. And um, yeah, that's well. well recommendedly. Mm, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and it is. It's one of as I say. I've watched this. 
pretty much every month since January when I first saw it. And still there's stuff that I forgot. I like I forgot about him when she's unconscious using her thumb to open the phone. And then he turns up at the boyfriend's house with a T-shirt wrapped around his face, yeah. kicks his door in. And then when the mum pulls the T-shirt off and realises it's the sheriff, the first thing she does is yeah. start punching her <laughs> son. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. This film, is, it's just got so many little bits that it is one of those films I can just go back to again and again, mm. you know, in a short time. And you just forget how how fantastic it's, it is. Like it's, it's so ridiculous and yet doesn't feel unbelievable, you yeah. know, no, like no, that no, scene. No. It's like somehow it's, yeah, you okay, can believe that, that possibly could happen. Yeah, right. in a small town would definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's that, again, it is that Coen Brothers thing. The yeah. Coen Brothers' real, real sort of knack is to make sort of white stuff that feels that shouldn't feel realistic realistic mm. yeah you know you you never you never lose in all the great coen brother films you don't lose any of the reality of it mm. no matter how fucked up the plot or fucked up the participants in that plot are it's always it's always like a wacky story in a mundane setting which is <laughs> what i love about mm-hmm. it like <clears throat> They take an idea that should be lunacy and over the top and so unbelievable mm. and then make such normal, average, everyday people have those experiences that kind of grounds it enough for it to, yeah, just kind of work. I'm also, I'm also going to say the music was fucking great in this. Yeah. And I can't, rem- I can't remember his name, but the composer is the same composer as um, uh, The Ritual. Is it, it's not Jim Cummings. Oh, oh is, yeah. no. he didn't write the theme tune, <laughs> sing the theme, uh, yeah. you know, acts, everything. He hasn't taken it that Darth Merengue. No. It's not like <laughs> it. music by Stig Basvig uh, as whistle, as whistle by Darth Merengue. So is it? Uh, ben so maybe, Lovett. Ben Lovett, that's it. Yeah. And he did The Ritual, which is another mm. uh, soundtrack that I really fucking love. I mean, I, I like The Ritual, the film, but yeah, the soundtrack to that was great. And again, this is quite sort of, you know, it's not it's not a comedy score. No, it scores the actual the, the content of the the, the actual dra- the dramatic weight of the film, not the mm. you know you don't have that thing of well it's a comedy, so obviously we've done calypso music. Yeah. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. The end bit though with is it old Lang Syne, isn't it? At the yeah. end, and yeah, you've got the whole crazy scene but then with that playing quite sort mm, of slow and calmly and it just works though doesn't it really mm. well and, and the cinematography as well we should mention uh, so natalie kingston did the cinematography mm. uh, that opening scene of the mountains where they keep project like you see it and then it fades out mm. and the next lot is like upside down and you keep getting yes. like massive <clears throat> the massive scapes to show you just how small that town is in such a mm. massive range of mountains. As you say, it gives mm. you that real sense that the people who live there live there and they're cut off. Nobody's coming in from mm. outside to mess with anything. It's yeah, you're not gonna that... you're not gonna go down to the next town because the next town is like <laughs> over a fucking mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just oh yeah, and that, that really was a really good way of sort of emphasizing that and creating that. I don't know. It's not claustrophobic, but yeah, that very cut off, isolated. isolated yeah. Mm. So yes, fantastic. 
Good one. I'm yeah. glad you both liked it um, and that Jennifer liked it. And that's yeah, why absolutely. she mm. said, I will come on and talk about that film because it's amazing. So um, technically, this means this is the first film that Jennifer's enjoyed for about a year. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, or, or the one that I've actually had. Yeah, it was something different to talk about, I suppose. Because mm. a lot of them are good. You know, the films you do are entertaining. But I suppose this stood out a little bit mm. as, as a bit different. So, yeah. Excellent. So, Chris, as we've been discussing it behind your back, as it were. Oh, um, no. <laughs> Adam pointed out in the week that, <clears throat> excuse me, we're now 120 odd episodes in and we have mm. not covered as much hammer as we should have done for what an important part of the genre it is, um, mm. which I could not. And certainly an, imp- and, and an important touchstone for us. Mm. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, both yeah. Us, uh, we've, we've always connected on Hammer. You know, yeah. that's, yeah. Um, so we have decided, Chris, uh, that we are going to take you right back to where it all began, almost. Ooh. Almost. Um, and so Adam uh, came back with some suggestions that we had a little chat and we've decided we are going to cover Dracula. Mm, uh, okay. For our yeah. American listeners, that is Horrors of Dracula. Mm. Uh, for those of us in the UK, it is just Dracula. Um, mm. Yeah, as soon as Adam said about it, I was like, I cannot believe we've not watched it. <laughs> I, I really feel... Mm. Again, I think it's one of those kind of unwritten things for Adam and I, because we've talked about it so much and because we've seen it so much, we... It, you, it the almost, sense we almost must have done it. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. Mm. It's always there to such a degree that you never think about it because it's always there. Mm. Um also, also, it's just nice to actually cover, again, it's, uh, you know, obviously Dracula is one of the original horror stories or novels that sort of cr- uh, essentially spawns the genre. So and is this, yeah, um, is this a Christopher Lee? We, yes. Yes. Okay. So we've covered vampires, but we haven't covered mm. the count. No. Um, yeah, so we thought really th- this is a definite, definite one. So we've done lots of vampires, but we haven't done any takes on Dracula yet, have we? Apart from even, no, like, we, the we haven't Squad done. Or... No, we've not we're... done Nosferatu. We've not done Bella mm. Lugosi. So we saw Bella Lugosi. Um, <laughs> oh, I've forgotten. Then. Oh, Abbott and Costello. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So got got a li- little taste of, of Bella and Lugosi. We... And we did do a bonus episode on the Stephen Moffat, Mark Gatiss. Yes, But that Mm. obviously did dive, you know, that um, went off topic fairly quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Like in terms of like the the sort of plot. Because you, you, you essentially get the first, you essentially get the first sort of few chapters of Dracula then you get the bit that they don't tell you about in Dracula mm, particularly yeah. and then just a load of made up shit with um, the cast of Hollyoaks <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair, that's fair summation maybe it? then <laughs> maybe for that in two weeks time you should all try and watch various Dracula related or listen to or read so everything you talk about could be 
How Dracula come I have been related. doing that for 30 years? You know, I'm, I'm just thinking about Dracula, to be honest. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think through things I could suggest. That's the only thing I can think of. How awful is that? <laughs> do you want to hear the brilliant Dracula joke I heard online the other day? Yes. Well, so I work at a factory making little plastic Draculas. There's only two of us on the production line, so I have to make every second count. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go on and drink myself shelf. until I fall through the door of the oven. Um, <laughs> Our oven's up here, honey. Yeah. You have to be about 10 foot yeah. tall. <laughs> he, he, he get a stepladder. Yeah, he might. He might <laughs> if do he does that. that, please record it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So I'm glad you all enjoyed it. Thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. Um, Thanks very much uh, for listening to the Moss Eisley Happy Hour that everyone seems to be enjoying. Go and check out the Not For Everyone podcast. If it isn't up now, they are doing their 100th episode. I won't spoil what it's about, but we have seen behind the curtain and you and I are going to be watching it probably tomorrow night in preparation. I'm going to watch it because I've never seen it before. What? Yeah. Oh, God, are you in for an exciting film? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's wonderful. Excellent. So go and check out Dracula or Horrors of Dracula, and we will see you all in a fortnight's time. Good night. Good night. Oh, it was kind of a werewolf film. (laughs) What, What is it?